0: Show, part of the Mojo Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final round of the 2023 AFL home and away season here on Mojo Sports Network. My name is Yuri Bilsic. We're doing a solo episode this week with no Julian Balthazar and Nathan Jennings with us for the episode, but they'll be back for the finals in what should be an absolutely cracker over September but we'll look forward to that in the next couple of weeks. Plenty just to get through as well with all nine games as well so we won't waste too much time and we'll start off with Friday night's encounter right? Essendon and Collingwood at the MCG. A lot of that loss to Brisbane last Friday night needing the four points to secure the minor, minor premiership and ultimately lock up that Home qualifying final, and from there, perhaps a home prelim final and en route to a grand final. We'll start first with the lineups for Essendon. Sam Wiedemann, Nick Bryan, Will Snelling, Will Setterfield, and Kane Baldwin come into the side. The outs to the Bombers, Jai Caldwell is out with a hip injury. Matt Guelphy out with a hamstring. Peter Wright is injured, not mentioned as to what his specific injury is. Sam Draper's out with a hip, the one that had kept him on the sidelines for almost a good couple of months. Jake Stringer is out with a foot injury, and Jake Kelly is also injured. Again, Bobby Hill and Jordan DeGoei, and the outs, of course, Nathan Murphy, which was mentioned yesterday, is out with a backslash glute injury. Jacob Ryan, the first game, has suffered concussion in that loss to Brisbane, and Bo McCreary is out with suspension. So I think the big part as well for Collingwood, heading into tomorrow night's clash against the Bombers is going to be the defensive aspect where it has tailored off in the last four months, well, last month and equivalent to the last four games where they've been up, given up roughly about 104 points per game where for the first 18, 19 rounds of this season, they will by far the number one ranked defensive side in the competition. And that's certainly Darcy Moore with a hamstring injury hasn't helped matters. So I think as long as they build back those habits, I think tomorrow night as well, Collingwood, and regain that real combativeness. I think that's what really makes them who they are and what I think for the most part of this season made them such a, ultimately the, well, you could say run rate premiership favourites at the time, but red-hot premiership favourites. But at this stage, they've sort of been pegged back a few runs or two and I think teams along the way have sort of figured out a few things to about Collingwood's game I saw Port Adelaide almost picked him back in round 19, ultimately losing by two points. And, of course, Blended win the MCG only a couple of weeks later. I just feel as though Essendon and Brad Scott, this was pretty alarming after that game against Geelong back in round 18 where he basically stated that the team was pretty tired and out of legs. And it sort of hasn't been a great omen for the Bombers in the last month being flogged by Geelong and then... Last week, their worst loss since Adelaide all the way back in round 10 of 2006, losing to the tune of 138 points. And I see the Magpies winning this game by roughly around five goals. And hopefully we don't see anything that's similar to, well, the clash of, say, round twenty two thousand and ten, 2010 which Collingwood pants the Bombers on that at points. But I feel as though this should be a good tune-up for Collingwood and get ready for what should be another big September as well? And although Nick Dakos probably won't be available for that first qualifying final, we'll see him sometime during the finals. But again, those more classier, more experienced and more, you could say, physical bodies of Collingwood's midfield are far going to outweigh Essendon's and I just see them getting the chocolates tomorrow night in what should be a fairly large crowd at the MCG. But if there's anything the Bombers can take say, inspiration away from, well, in the lead-up to the game and perhaps even during the contest as well, is back to the led by 28 points and Collingwood, well, we've seen so many times the same movie before where they run teams over in the final quarter and that's what they did on that day. And, again, that's going to be the real onus, I think, on Essendon too is that they can match it. But it's going to be for how long? And I think that's where Collingwood is going to get them in the end for tomorrow night's encounter to begin the 24th and final round. We'll turn our attention now to the two Saturday afternoon games, firstly starting at the MCG between Hawthorne and Fremantle. Nothing much to play for except for pride for both sides as well. Hawthorne have, again, been really impressive. for the last, you could say last month, have established an identity where... It's got to translate on to season 2024. That's going to be a big question moving forward. So we'll start first with the Hawthorne lineups and the ins for the Hawks. John Newcomb comes back in. He was a late out last week. And Brad and Ryan, their mature age recruit. The outs, Ned Long has been omitted. As is Denver Granger Well, he's out with a calf injury. And Max Ramsden has been omitted. Jai Sarong was the sub last week for the Hawks. As for Fremantle, Michael Walters comes back into the side, as does Joel Hamling. The Alps, Neil Erasmus, Stego Amira hurt his calf during the first half and didn't play the rest of the game in the loss to Port Adelaide. And Bailey Banfield hurt his AC joint as well during that contest. This one's also been, you could say, a real fascinating game, not because there's so much of incentive in it in terms of playing finals, which both teams aren't going to play anyway, But it's more the fact of we're seeing both sides and particularly Hawthorne where I think every week this season under Sam Mitchell, they've gradually gotten better and better ever since that Sydney lost in round two where they were completely blown apart to the tune of 81 points. And that was where we thought, how many wins are the Hawks going to get? But they've pretty much exceeded all expectations. I think that's going to be the real tick this season as well. And the young core group, which we've seen, that has grown exponentially this season too. Jared Newcomb's no exception. We've seen Conor McDonald really thrive in his role in the midfield. Josh Weddles added the extra spark and just zip around the middle of the ground and him carrying the ball and bouncing the ball three to five times down the wing. It's those exciting points, I think, for Hawthorne into the future that really tells us that, they're not too far away from being a finals contender. We don't know yet. So that's the fascinating part of this Hawthorne journey. And I think if you can draw similar comparisons to what they were doing, say, when Alistair Clarkson took over and, of course, that super 2004 draft at the time as well with taking Jared Ruffhead at pick two, Lance Franklin at pick five and Jordan Lewis at pick seven and ultimately... They were such a big nucleus as well of Hawthorne's premiership dynasty. So that's almost in sort of a similar feel way to what Hawthorne are starting to replicate once again at Waverley. And Fremantle, they'll brave. You can say that against Port he showed a lot of ticker too. Just ultimately they're Inefficiency going forward really hurt them at the most inopportune of times as well. They tried a few different tactics, most notably Brendan Cox was moved up forward in the final term and kicked a goal to keep Fremantle in the contest, but that wasn't enough for Fremantle. And so I think yet again at the MCG, it's also a good test as well for Fremantle. They don't play too many times there. The last time they played there, of course, was only six weeks ago against Collingwood, which they were blown out of the water alone in that second quarter and couldn't make up any ground whatsoever. So it's another good learning experience for Fremantle playing it. I feel as though it might just do them a world of good as well. I've got them narrowly, only by a kick. And of course, the hard part as well of Hawthorne and that term used Dr. Jekyll, Mr. High terms in terms of what teams are able to produce and whether they're hot and cold. And that's what we've seen with Hawthorne this season. But again, this game's a real 50-50 line ball and can go either way for both sides. to say, look to secure the four points and just add a bit of extra icing sprinkling onto the cake in season 2023. Stay look ahead to 2024. The other game, which also runs concurrently with Hawthorne and Fremantle, is at Blundstone Arena. So we'll start first with the Kangaroos and their changes as well. And there are quite a fair few number of changes that the Kangaroos do have to their side heading into, into the contest. Callan Dawson comes in, Miller Bergman, Charlie Lazaro, and the outs for North Melbourne, Daniel Howe, Jack Zeeble, of course, retired after an illustrious career for the Kangaroos since making his debut in 2009 and a great career for Jack Zebel. Luke McDonald is out with a hamstring and Black Jury was the sub last week. For the Suns, Chris Burgess comes into the side. He's had limited opportunities this season. Alex Davies and the outs for the Suns. Rory, that is a surprising one in a way considering how he's thrived under... Interim coach Stephen King in the last handful of weeks and really playing his best footy once more. Jack Lacocious is out with an Achilles and Bailey Humphrey, their wrecking ball, their pick six in last year's draft, is out with a finger injury. Darcy McPherson was the Suns' sub last weekend. Well, we saw for the good, you could say proportionate of about 40 minutes at best with the Suns where they really got their attacking game going and it's something that has changed considerably since Stephen King did take over from Stuart. Jew that they wanted to be a lot more when they have the ball in hand and that's something that stood out when they raced out to a 40 point lead against Carlton but ultimately it's the same issues I think the Suns have had where they go missing for a patch and they tend to fatigue as well and their skills drop quite considerably and that's why allow has allowed teams this season to get back into contests but I don't see that happening against North Melbourne this Saturday too. The round six encounter, they won pretty comfortably by over seven goals, even though Tuke Miller basically was, I think, injured during that first half alone with a knee injury and Matt Round, and Noah Anderson were major contributors on that afternoon and having another impactful influence on the game and just the other stars that they've gone the team as well. David Swallow had an outstanding game for the Suns, too, against the Blues, kicking, was it, four goals by memory as well? So he's also been another consistent player again this season, what has been a very good career from the former number one and picked back in the 2010 draft. I just, again, North Melbourne, give it everything that they've got as well. They're always competitive for a half, but ultimately, I think it's just going to be the tiring legs that will wear them out by the end, and Gold Coast should finish their season on the high and. On top of that as well, equal last season and win total of 10 wins as well, which again, yes, an accomplishment in a way, but I think they're looking to exceed more than that. And well, with Damien Hardwick now at the helm on that new six-year deal, we'll see how far the Suns do go as well as they look to turn another chapter in their history since they've been in the competition in 2011. So I've got the Suns winning this by roughly around four to five goals for mine down in Tasmania. We'll turn our attention now to the twilight game at the Gabba between Brisbane and St Kilda. The Saints, of course, making their first finals appearance since 2020 and only the second finals appearance they'll be featuring in in 12. So it has been a long time between drinks for the St Kilda Football Club, but it's a tremendous credit to what Ross Lyon has done again, returning back to Moorabbin where he really led arguably one of the most stingiest sides ever in terms of defense in in VFL, AFL history. And what he's done again with, you can almost say, a list that definitely isn't as talented as the list that Ross Lyon did have from 2007 to 2011, but everyone's bought into the system. And this is a good tune-up into the finals as well, playing against Brisbane who have won all 11 games at the Gabba. And St Kilda were pretty competitive the last time the sides did last year, back in round 13. Ultimately, they had three concussions that night, which didn't help them whatsoever too. And I think one of those was Mitch Owens. The other one was Dan McKenzie. And those injuries basically cost them any hope of winning the game. So the big part as well is Brisbane's attacking game against St Kilda's very tough defense and very congested plans that they love to use around the field to really block up a side as well and make it difficult for teams to exit from their back 50. So that part's going to be highly captivating to see what they do in that regard and how Brisbane are able to penetrate 15 game. There was ebbs and flows in the way too. Brisbane were able to break through St. Kilda's defensive press and at other times they weren't able to do it. So that's the... Big part as well, I think, for Brisbane is how they're able to break through. And for St. Kilda as well, the midfield has really stepped up too in this last month. And one particular name that does come to mind as well is Brad Crouch as well, from the former Adelaide midfielder. And he's arguably had some of his best patch of form as well in the last month and has been such a major contributor as well, especially that win against Hawthorne, where he had, I think it was roughly about 29 disposals and three goals. And was really one of the made difference. Again, they've exceeded all expectations, St. Kilda, where I think some have been predicting probably 14th, 15th on the ladder. But again, they've done extremely well. And I think they can really test the Brisbane Lions all the way at the Gabba. But it's easier said than done, right? And Brisbane should, considering there is a home qualifying final up on the line, just have enough of a driving factor to secure the four points and see whether they do play that first qualifying final at the Gabba come the first week of finals as well, which most likely will be a Saturday night at this stage. We'll wait and see depending on week of the finals fixtures. We'll turn our attention now to the Saturday night games and it's down the highway to the Cadbury Geelong and the Western Bulldogs. And Geelong fans haven't had... This much to say in terms of not featuring in finals, but it's the first time since 2015 that Geelong won't be part of the September pursuit for the premiership. The ins for the cats and will start first. There's quite a number of changes for Geelong. Mitch Nevitt, Sam Menangola, Ollie Dempsey, Toby Conway. There's a lot of raps about this young upcoming 20 year old Ruckman who'll make his debut. Reese Stanley and Ocean Mullen. And Geelong's outs, Mitch Duncan mentioned the sub Radical Radicalia is out with a hamstring, Brad Close out with an ankle, Jeremy Cameron out with an AC joint, Tom Hawkins with a hamstring, Tanner Bruin is injured and Zach Tui was the sub last week and Brandon Parford was the sub last week. It's strange. Zach Tui here they've got as a sub, but he is out for the clash. As for the Western Bulldogs, Hayden Crozier comes back, Toba Tom Liberatore, shall I say, comes into the side after missing last week's game against West Coast, a shock loss with concussion, which he suffered in the first quarter against Hawthorne. Toby McLean is also into the side. The outs for the Bulldogs, Taylor Duray serving that suspension. The Bulldogs out with illness. Jack McRae missing through concussion. And Lachlan McNeil, the sub last week. Well, make no bones about this, right? The Western Bulldogs have to win. That's pretty much the straight, simple equation, and hope that Carlton beats GWS the following day, the final game of his 2023 home and away season. And it's a very sort of a bit of a it's hard to comprehend the Western Bulldogs and the difference between their best and worst football is Significantly evident. And that was pretty much on display last Sunday against West Coast, where they allowed five of the first six goals, give teams who have been struggling all season, such as West Coast, a head advantage. And that's full credit to the Eagles, what they're able to do away from home, buy in, take the crowd out of the game early. And the Western Bulldogs, it didn't help matters that they were fumbly with possession. They couldn't hit their targets. Marcus Bontempelli pretty much was a Herculean right all game, 32 disposals, a goal. I think there was about 10 tackles, 12 clearances, that number. he I think it was 12 score involvements or somewhere around there. He was incredible and did everything he could. And he's been doing that his entire career with the Western Bulldogs, but they can't rely upon him to do it again because that's where the real drop-off has been for the Western Bulldogs in the last six to seven weeks is that they're getting the – Highly efficient contributions from Marcus Bontempelli, Tom Liberatore, Tim English, Jamari Hugo Hagen, Aaron Norton. But then the drop-off has been considerably drastic. And that's where, for the Bulldogs, getting that fast start, Saturday night against the Cats and at a venue where they haven't won in two decades, that's going to be such an important factor going into the game, giving them that sense of confidence and then hoping that... After that, they can grab the win and then bank you on Carlton to beat the Giants. So, last year, where the Western Bulldogs were hoping Collingwood would beat Carlton, of course, the Bulldogs beat Hawthorne earlier that day, and the tables have turned. And it's ironic to think now that the Bulldogs are banking on Carlton to beat GWS. And if that does happen right, the first week is going to be Carlton v. the Bulldogs, whatever day the AFL decides to play that first elimination final. So that's the real intriguing part to it all. And Geelong, well, those number of outs as well, I think's pretty much enough of a drawing factor to say that the Western Bulldogs should get the four points and should do who knows really in a way by how much. That's the interesting part of satisfaction in terms of the margin. I think the Bulldogs should win by roughly around three goals for mine and wait and have a nervous wait for the next 24 hours or so until that Carlton Giants game does proceed. The other Saturday night game between West Coast and Adelaide at Optus Stadium, a bit of a later starting time, of course, being in Western Australia, six ten. 10 bounce down. As for the Eagles, they'll welcome back Shannon Hurt and Luke Shuey for their farewell games. Both have been tremendous, tremendous players for the West Coast Eagles over a decade and both integral parts in that 2018 premiership. Luke Shuey, of course, the 34 disposals a goal and won the Norm Smith medal. And Shannon right foot, right foot kicks and just absolute class off the half-back line and provides so much run and hardly ever wasted a ball to and you hardly ever saw him see him lose his composure. And that's what made Shannon Hearn such the epitome of one of West Coast all-time great skippers and... It'll be it'll be arguably fitting to see what the Eagles do after what they did last week to the Western Bulldogs. And that's going to be the real draw card, I think, heading into the clash as well. Because we saw last year when it was both sides, I think it was roughly around round twenty-one last year, where the Eagles fared well Josh Candy and he went off almost with a high rank. He kicked eight goals the Eagles over the line. So we could see something similar with a masterclass Luke Shuey performance or Shannon Hearn too. So that's the real wait-and-see factor when it comes to that encounter. Brody Hoff comes back into the side. The outs, Jermaine Jones has been omitted. Campbell Chess has been omitted. As has Zane True, and Elliot Yo will miss through a hamstring injury. For the Crows, Lockie Gallant and Patrick Parnell come into the side. And the outs, Shane McAdam is out with that cheekbone after that bump from Tom McCartan, which Tom McCartan ultimately had his two-game suspension overturned. Roy Sloan is out with an eye injury and Riley Thilthorpe has been omitted and Luke Pedler last week. Well, we can all talk about last Saturday night with the Crows and how furious, angry, frustrated, disappointed they were by that score review. And you think if they have won last Saturday night that they would have beaten West Coast this Saturday night, gone on to beat the Eagles, shall I say, and then ultimately finished roughly around 8th because they've had so many close games this year and there was a chart that was put up about their scoring inaccuracy. There was a game against the Western Bulldogs which you can totally sort of discard because they out well and truly outplayed in that contest down in Ballarat. They only kicked five goals, 10, whereas the Western Bulldogs kicked 11 goals, 19, 85. Close losses to Collingwood twice in round 7 by points, and round 15 by two points and just a bunch of other games which they couldn't get over line. So that's got to be the real sort of the burning desire, I think, for the Crows. And they're already on the way up, right? It's evidence enough this season that the, the young core group has taken strides. The veterans, Taylor Walker, well, he's basically become ageless right away, even at 33 years of age. He has had an unbelievably career best year for mine with 65 goals to his name, and he's done everything right this season as well when at that stage of your career I almost suppose he's define, redefining that position of what a, what being on the back end of your twilight career really means and it was great to see him resign only a couple of weeks ago for an extra season or two so if he does perform like that in 2024 there will definitely be another one-year extension waiting for him on the table so Adelaide should get the chocolates in this game too and finish the season on another high too, although they'll miss our finals. But there's so many positives that they can take away heading into the off-season and see where they go from there because Adelaide as a football club, they're never down in the dumps for too long. Our attention now turns to at the Adelaide Oval. And for Port Adelaide, well, just like Brisbane and Collingwood and Melbourne, there's a lot of driving motivation to secure a home qualifying final. So the outs for Port Adelaide, well, there are no outs for them, but the ins: Dante Vicentini, Bryn Tegel, and Francis Evans. Travis Boak was the sub last week in the win over Fremantle. For Richmond, Sam Banks, Jacob Bauer, Ben Miller, and also one of the debutants who could be playing as well for Richmond. These are extended benches for the time being the allotted squads of twenty-three won't be named until tomorrow afternoon. James Trizees make his debut and as well is Tom Brown. The outs for the Tigers, Dio Presti is being managed, as is well, Jack Rewell and Trent Cochin, after celebrating their farewell games with wins with a win over North Melbourne to draw the curtain on what was two glorious and illustrious careers. And those two were such major contributors to Richmond's dynasty. Of three flags in four seasons, and both are Richmond legends of the football club, and will go down as arguably one of the top ten players at the club. So, again, when we saw the sides playing round eleven, that Richmond really gave it a good load. Ultimately, just had enough. Class around the ground to get the job done, winning by 10 points that afternoon. And it was Andrew McQuarlis' first game in charge as interim coach. So that's an interesting point in itself. I think just with what Port Adelaide, it's more on what Port Adelaide want to do as well. And we've seen since those four consecutive defeats that they've reestablished that hard identity brand, which they love to. Use their clearance game, and that's the strong part. And sometimes the clearance differential with Port Adelaide isn't overly substantial in positive differential between the opposition, but what they're able to do with it, though, is so devastating. Jason Hall, Francis, Connor Rose, Zach Butters, identically the same thing has happened in the last fortnight against the Giants, they hurt them in clearances, and against Fremantle, they also hurt them in clearances. So that's been sort of Richmond's Achilles' heel for this season, and you think. think in that regard too, that Port Adelaide should get the job done too and lock away, well, potentially a home qualifying final, final, depending on what results pan out with the Sydney-Melbourne game and also the Brisbane-St. Kilda game and Essendon-Collingwood on Friday night. Out of all nine matches this season, this one has to be one of the games around and there's probably one game after this which definitely does stack up to it, but Sydney and Melbourne at the SAG. So this is Melbourne's first game at the SAG against Sydney since round four of 2019. We'll start first with the Sydney Inns. Joel Marty, Matt Roberts, and Lewis Melican are into the side. No changes from the squad from last week, which... Recorded that win over the Adelaide Crows by points. Ryan Clark was last week's sub. For Melbourne, Tom McDonald comes back into the side. I think his first game in roughly about three months. He underwent ankle surgery, bought some time in a VFL, and now is back in the... That's the big in for Melbourne. He was having a great season before injuring his foot against the Giants roughly a couple of months ago. Tajwo Woden and Daniel Turner. And Josh Shaki, Josh shall I say, is out and he was the sub last week. Well, this is... Again, another really fascinating 50-50 contest in this one too. And for Sydney, the real lurking in the way of maybe perhaps having a home elimination finals up for grabs too. We've seen the significant turnaround from the side since that loss to Brisbane in round 14 where their percentage was languishing at 98.3. They had to make several adjustments too. They had to really... Hadi Makato, unfortunately, suffered that concussion. Is now retired in during the game, which he ultimately, which I think was his ninth or tenth final concussion he heard against Port Adelaide back in round four. So they found ways the Swans to overcome numerous adversity, and that's been the driving factor for the Swans to go from five and eight ultimately now to being – Playing in finals and really, perhaps even giving the finals a good shake because everything's there for them at this stage. And for Melbourne too, their big part as well is just trying to find that right forward. A month ago, that they'd found it with Harrison Petty having a career best game against Richmond, kicking six goals. Unfortunately, he goes that goes down the week after against North Melbourne, hurts his I think he suffered a foot injury, and now they've had to re tinker again, but getting those reinforcements in Bailey Fritch and Tom McDonald, who play such pivotal roles up forward, they'll help strengthen up Melbourne's forward line and give them that real forward structure heading into the finals, which they sort of had to tinker around, tinker around on the fly in this last month. So I think this game's going to be ultimately super close too. And I just see, it, again, I almost picked my head around this too, and I think only just by a kick or two, just I think, in moments where they're able to use their composure too. And that's not underestimating Sydney whatsoever with their ball use because they're one of the elite kicking sides in the competition, Sydney. When you have Chad Warner there, you have Nick Blakey, and those two are such barometers right in their kicking game. And once they get it up and running, they really cut the opposition apart and they're super hard to stop. So... That's the big part too. Melbourne's kicking we've seen for a good three, four seasons has considerably improved. So that's the big part in itself, and I think Melbourne kicked the Swans as well. And it's going to be a real fascinating contest and a contest of real battle, real attritional battles. I think between the two teams. So it's going to be super exciting whatsoever, and can't wait to see what transpires between the two sides. Well. Turn our attention now to the ninth and final game. The final game of the home and away season for 2023. It's Carlton versus GWS under the roof at Marvel Stadium. The Blues, the Inns, Mitch McGovern, Sam Walsh, and Adam Chera. All begins for Carlton and all of them returning from hamstring injuries. Mitch McGovern's missed the last couple of weeks. Sam Walsh. Has missed since that round 19, clash has missed since round 20 against Collingwood. Lockie Fogarty comes back in after missing through soreness. Corey Durden comes back from his shoulder injury. The outstand Docky, who was subbed out against Melbourne with that calf injury and did play against the Suns last Saturday. He's out as Carlton takes a cautious approach. And Ed Curno was the sub and always seems to be the blue sub every week. For GWS, Ryan Angwin comes into the team, as does Nick Haynes and Matthew Flynn and last week's sub was the debutant Toby McMullen as well as his second game by memory too, and he kicked a goal in his in the thumping win over Essendon. Well, for the Giants as well, going to see what the outcome is between the Western Bulldogs and Geelong on Saturday night. So they'll be nervously chewing their fingernails to await the outcome of that game too. But this season alone, even if they don't make finals, the Giants, you can almost see this season as a win and a win alone because they've had to almost reestablish an identity which they didn't have last season, right? So they only won six games. They didn't know exactly where they are going to be situated this season alone. I think when you compare them to all 18 teams it was. Hard to get a exact read on where the Giants sat. The season has progressively worn on that we've seen the old GWS side return, the Darren Flair, the DNA of the Orange Tsunami running in waves. And I think having that fresh coaching plan and Adam Kingsley's enthusiasm on board, I think has really spurred on the Giants. And that's been such the nucleus for... What has been a fantastic turnaround, and although earlier this season they were having close losses, they weren't being blown out the water. So I think when you look in hindsight at the time, their win loss record I think was four and eight at one point. That was a little bit of a bit of a misread in a way, and that didn't really reflect how they were playing. So it's really stood out now what they've done. They've won twelve wins, and which is basically double from last season's total. So they've done everything right. The big part too is them trying to contain Carlton's midfield as well, getting Chera and Walsh back, which we mentioned with Carlton's ins. And it's not just their inclusions alone, but the number of contributions Carlton have gotten this last nine weeks in this incredible turnaround, a nine-game winning streak. And it hasn't all been about Patrick Cripps. We've seen Paddy Dow, a guy who's been on the fringes for the last two seasons, relish his opportunity with the midfield Tate, well, he's stepped in week in, week out. And we're also seeing down back Jacob Wietering since round 11 against Sydney, return back to his old Australian form. we have seen well, Charlie, Charlie Kerner have, well, ultimately now going to secure his second consecutive common medal with, I think, 75 goals this season after kicking 64 the year before. So there's a whole bunch of different factors as to why the Blues... positioned as to where they are and this game's going to be an absolutely heat in the battle contest and Carlton's record against the Giants doesn't stand out too well and there is one particular game, well maybe two games at Docklands where they've been on the receiving end of one jubilant win as well, that enthralling one point win against the Giants, arguably their best win over GWS all the way back in round 12 of 2017 and then Unfortunately, the year later, which they were completely blown in round 20 the following season by, I think it was roughly over 100 points that afternoon. It was absolute debacle of a game too. But they've come such a long way from there, the Blues. And if they do win 10 in a row and lock in that fifth spot, it will be their highest finish, right, since 2011, which they also finished fifth that season. So, again, it's a full credit and full plaudits to uh, Coach Altering around the game plan and simplifying to a point where the players have bought in yet again and where I think the Essendon game, they did try to make these adjustments slash implementations to use the corridor a lot more. And with that, it has paid dividends. And that's also where the Giants love to thrive too. So we could see a high-scoring game, but we could also see a game where Both teams have been outstanding defensively in the last month and Carlton, I think, all season. I think this is where it doesn't get talked about too much. Even when the Blues were struggling, when they lost eight of those nine games from just that middle part of the season where they could have clicked in, the defense held up. So I think once they recorrected some of their offensive aspects is where they got it up and humming once again and the Giants too have been... Tremendous again this season in terms of their defense, and especially I think the last three or four weeks, only allowing sixty-three points, and Carlton have only allowed roughly around seventy-two to seventy-three points. So it could go either way too, with the attritional battle between the defensive side for long periods of time, but also in regards to probably more of a branch of both teams looking to be a lot more attacking at various stages of the game. So. I think narrowly you've got the Blues winning this by a key. There's also one more thing that the Giants, if they do win, they play cards in the first week. So this could well be a tune-up to the first, basically the same game just a week later, the first week of final. So that's the most riv- riveting part of this contest too. And that's where I think there's going to be a lot of driving incentive for both sides and, especially for the Giants too, considering they're banking on Geelong to beat the Western Bulldogs on Saturday night. So it should be an absolute cracker of a contest. Well, that does it here for the AFL Mojo Sports Network, the round two round preview of the home and away season. Well, we should get Julian Batsar and Nathan Jennings back on the show next week. The two of them have had other commitments during the week as well. Julian is feeling a bit under weather, so we wish Julian a speedy recovery and we'll see him back on the program next week as well because there's so much to get through. Right. Once the season con- concludes, it's all to talk about in the lead up to the finals. Of course, we've got the A4W starting next Friday, which... Should be another captivating season eight of the competition as well, and it's really transgressed nicely too. It's really come through leaps and bounds since its inception. Catch a while other episodes as well on the Mojo Sports Network, the NBA Show, the NRL Show, the NRLW Show, the NFL. The season isn't too far away, so well. I think it's a couple of weeks or so away. Too, they're already in the thick of the action with some of the preseason games that have been up and running for the last week and just a different variety of shows. You can also check either on Apple Podcasts or through Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the final round preview here on the AFL Mojo Sports Network. My name is Yuri Bilsic. Enjoy the footy this weekend and we'll catch you again.